sorry to say that this is not the radio show you will be listening to. However, if you like stories about extremely unfortunate events, then keep your radios on this station, 89.9 KUNM. Hello, Lemony Snicket, author of the series of unfortunate events. Didn't your 13th book just come out? Yes, unfortunately. How wonderful to see you, Miss Lucia Martinez. Why on earth did you come here? Well, I thought that a terrible villain had kidnapped all of the youth of Youth Radio and spirited them away, so I thought I'd tell the listeners about other unfortunate things instead. Actually, I was nearly spirited away by a terrible villain, but I managed to escape by disguising myself as a shark and gnawing my way out of his trunk. How unusually fortunate for you. If only... The... If only I was so advantageous... Advantageous is a word which here means... We know, we know. Well, since I was so advantageous, I guess we can do youth radio now. Would you like to help me out? I suppose. As it is, there's currently no other safe place for me to be. Well then, we've got two interviews for you this evening. The first is with Neolia Hine, a teen member of the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance, who's trying to save the Otero Mesa. It is a terrible thing to destroy nature's creations. I hope her endeavor to save the Mesa is more successful than when someone I know tried to free a pack of underfed lions at a carnival. Also, we'll talk with Young Women United about Sister Fire. Only a terrible villain would set a group of cheerful sisters on fire. Actually, Sister Fire is an event that the organization Young Women United is putting on. However, it does not involve the burning of sisters. It is to showcase young women artists. Oh, how lucky it is that they are not actually on fire. I despise fire. Finally tonight, we have a piece from Blunt Radio's Lily Townsend. For now, however, it seems that yet another youth has escaped the unhygienic fingernails that are a true villain's clutches. Welcome, Paolo. I dearly hope that your music is ever... This evening will sound more melodious than musical souls. Thank you, Mr. Snicket. Um, first off, we have a song by Los Nietos. The song is called Regálame la Felicidad, and it is from one of their best-selling albums, Calma Corazón. That was Regálame la Felicidad by Los Nietos um, from their best album ever, Calma Corazón. And now back to our host. You're listening to Youth Radio on 89.9 K1M. Welcome back. The Otero Mesa, one of New Mexico's greatest landmarks and by far its biggest, is in danger of being destroyed. Neolia Hine of New Mexico's Wilderness Alliance sat down with Youth Radio's Michael Harley to discuss this issue. This is Michael Harley with Youth Radio, and I'm here in the studio today with Neolia Hine from the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance. And so thank you for being here, Neolia. Thank you for having me. So uh, first off, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I'm Neolia, <laughs> and I go to school at Amy Beale. I am a senior this year, so that's very exciting, my last year of high school. <laughs> And how did you come to be so interested in the preservation of wildlife? Well, it started out when I was very young. Um, I went hiking with my dad all the time, and my mom and I went walking around near the river in the Bosque. So it's always kind of been, I've always been in nature and always interested in it. And, you know, when you find out that something you love needs help, then you, then you start to kind of be active in that sort of thing. 
<laughs> and thanks to your parents for taking you out there and showing you all that stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what have you done as an activist for nature? Um, I've done various restoration projects with my family and some family friends, but I really wasn't um, very active in the activist sense until this year when I started my work with the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance. And what do you do at the uh, New Mexico Wilderness Alliance? Well, right now I'm primarily involved in some political action and um, trying to save Otero Mesa. That's great. Um, maybe a little uh, to elaborate a little more on that. What What do you usually do at um, NMWA? I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you uh, usually do on a typical day? A typical day. Well, that can be anything from filling out thank you cards um, to our very generous members, or you know, working on calling offices in Washington D.C. to set up meetings for my supervisor Nathan Newcomer and our executive director, Stephen Capra. But uh, it's it's so various. I do so many things just around the office, um, making calls, writing letters, that sort of thing. It's pretty amazing that you called to Washington, D.C. and <laughs> set up meetings. Right. Well, I just talked to um, some of the coordinators for hmm. some of our senators. Hmm. It wasn't anything too big. <laughs> well, you know, not every team is calling Washington, D.C. these days. <laughs> so... Uh, you mentioned the Otero Mason, I think, and that's why you're really here in the studio today. Mm-hmm. Could you tell our listeners what is the Otero Mesa exactly? Otero Mesa is just south of Almogordo, and it is a 1.2 million acre Chihuahuan grassland um, about the size of the state of Delaware. And it is, um, it's got a lot of black grama grass and lots of wildlife and uh, sits on top of a huge freshwater aquifer. So it's a pretty amazing place. Could you explain to the listeners what a freshwater aquifer is? Right. Well, it's a huge reserve of water, in this case, (laughs) underneath the ground. Um, And this water can be used for utilities, drinking water, that sort of thing. Albuquerque um, has a large freshwater aquifer that's been in the media not too much lately, but they were talking about how it's depleting pretty quickly and taking water out of the Rio Grande in order to make up for what we're losing in the aquifer. Oh, okay. So that's a very important piece. Yes. So other than the aquifer, why is the Otero Mesa so important to the ecosystem? Um, well, Otero Mesa is the last Chihuahuan desert grassland in North America, um, and it's it's got so many different species, over 1,200 1, different species of wildlife living there, um, as well as, you know, the petroglyphs, which is just basically a point of interest. But uh, in order to kind of serve New Mexico, we'd look at the aquifer bit, but the ecosystem, you know, it's it's important to itself. And I, I mentioned the Appomato falcon as an endangered bird that can sometimes be seen there using it in its migratory kind of journey. So there are endangered species in that area. Mm-hmm. What other kind of um, animals do you know of that reside in that area? I've seen pronghorn deer, uh, rattlesnakes, other birds of prey, falcons, raptors, and um, other songbirds you can hear in the morning, and all sorts of 
bugs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so that's a lot of different animals there. And mm -hmm. I know they're focusing a lot on the pronghorn deer. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Um, not specifically. I think the deer is very, you know, kind of special to that area. I haven't seen it anywhere else in the state, so. So it's a very unique place. Mm -hmm. So as a teenager, from your perspective, why is the Otero Mesa so important to you? Well, it's important to me because, you know, if we rip it up today, it won't be here tomorrow for anyone else to enjoy. It's a huge recreational spot and, you know, important in itself in so many different ways. And it, and it it's kind of hard to think that we would just destroy it and not it wouldn't be here tomorrow. And seeing this all happen right now is kind of alarming. Um, it really does change the future mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance apparently surveyed the Mesa and found that over 520,000 acres of the area are suitable for wilderness designation. So could you explain to the listeners what wilderness uh, designation kind of entails? Right. Well, the Wilderness Act was, um, it originated in 1964, and basically federal land management will survey land and decide whether or not it's worthy of wilderness designation. And wilderness designation protects um, a specific area from any sort of drilling, logging, um, things that kind of take away from the environment. Right. And since the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance has found that, that that um, can be designated, why hasn't it happened for the Otero Mesa yet? Well, unfortunately, the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance can't do much in the whole legal process of the thing. It has to be done by BLM, the Federal Land Management, and they take it to Congress, and Congress decides whether or not the land is suitable for wilderness designation. So, um, unfortunately, the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance can't do much, and BLM's prime directive as of late has been to find oil and fossil fuels and that sort of thing. And how will this planned oil and gas and fossil fuel development affect the Otero Mesa? Well, they'll be bringing in tons more roads, pipelines, um, all sorts of drills, of course, and they'll be kind of dispersed everywhere. And it just, it will have kind of a spider web effect, I think is the word my um, my supervisor used for it, is it will just take away from the beauty and we won't be able to use it recreationally um, very well. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to wake up next to an oil gel. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the aquifer is in danger of being contaminated. And BLM has said that, um, yes, it's possible that the aquifer will be contaminated, and they also have no plan to protect it, at least a suitable plan anyway. And it's such a huge area. Are they planning to just use all of it? The thing about Otero Mesa is when you think of oil and gas reserves, you think of one huge reserve. But on Otero Mesa, the oil and gas is actually kind of dispersed in little pockets all over. So when they talk about drilling, you know, 5% of Otero Mesa, it's it's going to be difficult to focus on one area. They kind of have to disperse. All right. So you, they just can't go to one area. There's too many little pockets of oil. That's, right. Okay. And... 
kind of looking at the other perspective of things, gas prices today, as we all know, are skyrocketing, mm-hmm. especially as teens with our new cars. <laughs> um, why should we sacrifice um, what's considered today such precious oil for a huge piece of desert? Well, Otero Mesa's oil reserves really aren't that impressive and wouldn't make much of an impact on the oil industry. Um, there's maybe a little bit of money to be had, but not much, and it's, we certainly wouldn't see any relief at, at our pumps. We'd, it wouldn't change much at all. Have they tried finding oil there already? They have. They've done some experimental drilling. And they're allowed to do that before they're perfectly cleared to go ahead with the full thing. Right. They can buy a lease. Well, I'm not sure they buy it, but they have a lease on the land where they can, you know, drill and that sort of thing. And they have found found oil, of course, but it, it hasn't been much to speak of. So what is the alternative for seeking out oil? What should this company be doing instead, this company that's looking for it? Well, the company is very local, um, oil oil family, the Yates family. And um, I'm not sure what they would do instead, but New Mexico as a whole can, you know, look to alternatives. We're a very unique state, and we have lots of sun, so there's definitely solar power we can look into, which, um, you know... I've heard an argument is very expensive, but so is gas drilling, so it it might be a worthy alternative. All right, and that's been proven that that solar power probably could work effectively. Yes, oh yes. What can teens like yourself do to become involved with saving Otero Mesa? I know that um, the governor, Bill Richardson, is actually for preserving it. Yes. So I know that that's probably one outlet. Right. Um, And that's definitely on the right avenue. One of the best things you can do is contact state representatives and any way you can call, email, write letters to, and um, make sure that they they get the message that this is important. Um, I'm also, you know, um, on my own kind of doing a demonstration at Senator Bingaman's office uh, later this month on October the 25th between 3 and 4 o'clock, about Otero Mesa specifically, and urging him to make sure that this area is protected. It's on Silver. It's not very far from Amy Beale High School, actually. All right. Could you repeat that information again one more time? Okay. It's going to be on October 25th, between 3 and 4 o'clock, and I've, I've made signs and everything. So. All right. And that's on Silver, just down from Amy Beale High School in right. downtown. Then. It's less than a five-minute walk, I'd say. All right. You can look up uh, Senator Bingaman's office on the Internet or, you know, in a phone book. And uh, do you know of any websites that teens could visit to learn more about Otero Mesa and what they can do? Um, I've had good luck with the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance's <laughs> website. Uh, it's very informative. You can sign up to have them send you emails specifically about Otermason, what what's going on with that, and um, and they've probably got some pretty good links as well. You can get in contact with people from New Mexico Wilderness Alliance through the website and learn learn a bit more. And that's nmwild.org. That's great. And again, that website is nmwild.org. Is there anything else you would like to add, Neolia? Yes, please help me save Otero Mesa. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who will. So I hope so. This is Michael Harley. You've been listening to an interview 
with Neolia Hine from the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance. And thank you for being here, Neolia. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Neolia Hine for talking with Michael Harley about the issues surrounding Otero Mesa. Again, the website for the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance is www.nmwild.org. Neolia's protest for Otero Mesa will take place on Silver Street in front of Senator Bingaman's office on October 25th from 3 to 4 p.m. Please be there. While you think of how you can turn around the unfortunate events of Otero Mesa, Paula has returned to provide more phantasmagorical music for the evening. Phantasmagorical is a word which here means conjuring up many fantastic images, similar to those in a dream. But please don't fall asleep. Thank you, Mr. Lemony Snicket. Uh, Well, next up is a song by a talented woman in our town of Albuquerque, Yolanda Pinela sings Se Me Olvido Otra Vez. That was Se Me Olvido Otra Vez by Yolanda Pinela from her very first album, Mi Corazón Te Llama. Don't, don't you just love that Albuquerque has such talented people? Now back to our wonderful visiting host, Mr. Lemony Snicket. Thank you, Paula. Now from Blunt Radio, producer Lily Townsend, a story about her friend Liz and the year-long journey of a personal tragedy that made her a stronger person in the end. Something tells me that it will be sadder than the story of three orphans I know of. So please have some tissues at hand. It was a little over a year ago when my friend Liz was raped. She was only 16. She was already having a hard winter. Her boyfriend, Matt, of over a year dumped her, kept her hanging on by a string, but finally decided to get back together with her. After constantly tugging on her heartstrings for months, even though they were back together, she felt unloved and didn't trust him. However, Matt had this friend, Jeremy. He had always seemed to take an interest in Liz. She started to develop weird feelings for him, too, but tried to suppress them for the most part. Liz always wanted Jeremy to like her, not necessarily in a romantic way, but just to accept her. He was the insecure type to always insult people, to make himself seem superior. He was, in general, a bully. He always made Liz feel terrible about herself. He'd call her ugly, stupid, tell her to shut up whenever she said anything. He forced her to wonder what was wrong with herself when she was around him. There were times, though, when he was quite nice to her and it made her feel great. Jeremy was good at playing mind games. Liz continuously tried to get him to treat her with respect and be her friend. She couldn't stand being rejected. After Liz's breakup with Matt, Jeremy started to warm up to her a bit, which seemed awesome. And even though she was supposedly back with Matt, the way Matt treated her, she felt so insecure. Now Jeremy was showing an interest, and Liz felt like she could uncover his mysterious side and naturally help him, befriend him. She was well aware of Jeremy's promiscuity, his drinking problems, his hatred for his father who left the family once he was born, and his criminal mother. All Liz wanted to do was fix him. February of last year, they had plans to hang out. She brought along her friend Emma to his house. Things seemed all right. Jeremy was being nice, and he offered the two girls drinks, which he could do since his mother wasn't home. Liz and Emma took them and the three sat in Jeremy's room and watched TV, sipping their alcohol. Liz, and more so Emma, started to feel a buzz. At this point, Jeremy decided to take advantage of the situation. 
He came up behind the two girls and hinted that they could do something as long as they kept it secret. Liz started to worry and knew something wasn't right. He told Emma and Liz to kiss. Emma, drunk, was willing to do it right off, while Liz was more apprehensive. After much pressure from Jeremy, she turned around and uncomfortably kissed Emma on the lips. Liz describes what happens next as a huge blur. One awful thing seemed to happen after another. She saw Jeremy and Emma making out. She knew what was happening wasn't right. It seemed so impersonal and promiscuous and just gross. She felt completely powerless and looked away uncomfortably. Liz tried to watch TV and ignore it all, but Jeremy came up to her with his pants undone. He forced her to touch him. Liz said, Put that thing away, but he persisted even more. No, I can't, she said meekly. After a few attempts to stop him, she ended up touching him. She knew it wasn't right, but did it anyway. The power he had over her was overwhelming. Emma continued to mess around with Jeremy, too, and she ended up being topless. Disgusted, Liz looked for a way to escape. She said she was going downstairs to get more drinks, but Jeremy offered to go with her. As the two walked down the hall, Jeremy led her to his mother's room and slammed the door behind them. She stopped him and said, "'Wait, you respect me a lot more than this.' "'Yeah, I know. I'm just really drunk,' he lied. He pushed her onto the bed. The moments between when her belt was undone and him forcing her to have sex happened so fast. When he was done, he got up quickly, put his pants on, and said, "'You're not going to tell Matt, right?' And Liz lied and said she'd break up with Matt again. But she really didn't want to. She walked downstairs into the kitchen alone and stood there in absolute shock. How could this happen so quickly? This wasn't supposed to happen at all. She was supposed to go over to his house, have a good time with him and Emma, talk, befriend him, make him happy. Sick to her stomach, she called her friend Noah, also a friend of Matt and Jeremy's. She wanted to go home, and she asked him to pick her up. She put on a fake smile when he arrived because she didn't want him to know what had happened. Liz offered to bring Emma home as well because she didn't want what happened to her happened to Emma. Sadly, Emma decided to stay with Jeremy throughout the night. When Liz got home, she started to panic. As she lay in bed, feeling dirty, tainted, and sad, she came to the realization she had been raped. She left a message on Matt's cell, crying, saying that there was an emergency and she loved him. She called Noah again. She wanted to know what happened after she left and if Emma was okay. Yeah, I'm at Jeremy's house right now, but I'm really busy. Gotta go. Bye. What on earth could he be busy doing? Liz continued to call him, in tears, but he wouldn't pick up. Emma wouldn't pick up her phone either. Finally, Liz left a message on Noah's phone. I won't stop calling until I know Emma is okay, she cried. After a few more attempts to reach them, she gave up and fell asleep, tired from her despair. Noah apparently decided to take advantage of Emma that night as well, hence his rush off the phone. The next morning, Liz had to work, but managed to talk to Emma on the phone before. Thankfully, Emma was fine. And though Liz knew she had been raped, to Emma, it just seemed like another crazy night. Liz didn't dare to fully confide in Emma, and just told her that night had turned into a reality that she didn't expect. Then everything changed again. Emma told Liz's best friend, Abby, what happened. Who knows exactly what Emma said, but after that conversation, Abby turned on Liz and told her that she didn't approve of what she had done, as if Liz had done something wrong. Emma, feeling pressure from Abby, turned on Liz as well. Liz hadn't told anyone else, and she needed some support. Liz decided to tell Matt, her old boyfriend, that she'd just gotten back together with what happened. He was supportive at first. Word got around school fast, though, and Jeremy was telling a different story. Pressure from his friends, the force of gossip, and anger about the whole situation caused Matt to break up with Liz again. And then a lot of Liz's friends from Matt's school started to dissociate from her. People she thought were her friends made her feel terrible. They told her that she broke Matt's heart. One girl calls her a slut. 
and many took her words out of context, flipped them around, and skewed them to make her look guilty. I'm not Liz felt hopeless. Nobody was on her side. Everyone made it seem like it was her fault, and what's worse, people were making fun of her, taunting her. She changed her phone number because Jeremy kept texting it, questioning why she told Matt what happened. She never wanted to see him again. She changed her screen name and didn't go to school for a week to avoid people, mainly Emma and Abby. That week was an absolute hell. By that time, Liz had already told her parents. Luckily, they never blamed her and provided some support. But that didn't take away the fear and stress. Liz had to get a pap smear to test for sexual diseases. Thankfully, Jeremy had used a condom. A blood test for HIV and AIDS and an x-ray of her foot from kicking the wall out of frustration. She also started to regularly see a therapist. That week consisted of endless and hopeless tears, and the loss of her boyfriend made it worse. He just didn't understand. Months after seemed better. She found her true friends to support her, and her parents supported her as well. A year later, she's come a long way. After seeing Jeremy on strange occasions, she still remained strong. She decided not to press charges, out of fear, not wanting attention, and to basically avoid the whole court hearing. She wanted to move on with her life, and she's been trying. The scar still remains, and it will always be there in her memory, but it definitely hasn't ruined her life. She is a lot smarter in the situations she chooses to take part in, and will always know how to detect dangerous men. It was a huge learning experience for her. Even though she feels she lost some friends, and even part of her innocence in a way, she still got her wit and positive outlook to get her through life. Reporting for Blunt, this was Lily Townsend. That was Liz's story from Blunt Radio producer Lily Townsend. Blunt Radio is based in Portland, Maine, and to learn more about them, visit their website at www.bluntradio.org. Or you could simply listen to more music and not think about terrible things. Thank you, Mr. Sneaker, again. Now I'm going to play a song called No Vas a Creer by Jenny Rivera. Y como dices que te dicen, mijo, me cae que ya se me olvidó. a creer se me olvidó la calle donde vive that was se me olvidó otra vez I mean sorry that was Jenny Rivera with no vas a creer from her album Barrandera Reverde y Atrevida and now back to our host Young Women United is a community organizing project for young women of color their annual event Sisterfire is coming up Here's Lucia, along with our guests, to tell us more about this event that hopefully doesn't involve actual fire. Hello, this is Lucia Martinez from KUNM Youth Radio. I'm here with two members of a community organization project called Young Women United. Would you guys please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Moni Trujillo. I'm a member of Young Women United Circle of Fire, and I'm also a member of the board. Hi, I'm Vivi Kerlucky. I'm... Um 
a part of the Circle of Strength, and I've been in the group for about three or four years. So, first of all, can you guys tell me a little bit about Young Women United? Sure. Young Women United is an organizing project created by and for young women of color here in Albuquerque. Um, we've been around for about five years now. We're still kind of a pretty young organization, but we're growing. Um, and we've a bunch of women that get together, and um, we just do educational projects um, and leadership projects um, and just kind of hang out and act as support system for each other. So, Avikra, can you give some examples of the education, some education projects that you've done or just anything? Um, we've done, like, campaigns. Um, one of our campaigns was on comprehensive, comprehensive sex education, and uh, we did, like, a whole bunch of stuff on that. We went to the legislative we went through the legislative process and we met um, a lot of other groups working on similar stuff and we um, we went to the New Mexico Civic Engagement um, Summer Institute and we've done a lot of stuff with the New Mexico Civic Engagement just to prepare ourselves for the legislative process. And then before I joined the group, um, the girls in the Circle of Strength also did a campaign for no guns in schools. So, yeah, we've been doing a lot in the community to try to make it better for us and other youth and stuff. So it's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So how long have each of you been with Young Women, Young Women United? Uh, this is Moni. I've been part of Young Women United officially now for about two years. Um, before that, I was kind of involved, but I just really attended all the fun events, and I wasn't really part of um, the group planning and um, any of the work. But after being involved in all the fun stuff, it just kind of got me interested. So I've been a member um, actively for about two years. And Avikra? Uh, I've been a member for, um, I think it's like four years now, like almost four years, because I, I started when I was 13. So I'm 17 now, so... Yeah, four years. How many other people are in young, are part of the group? Um, well, we have two different circles. We have Circle of Strength, which is 13 to 19-year-olds, and we have about about eight members that are the core, strong group. Um, and then the Circle of Fire, which is 19 to 35-year-old young women, um, we have about 10 that are the active members right now. And so you said something about groups. What do you do in groups? Um, well, during the meetings, what we do is, well, during the Circle of Strength meetings, what we do is, like, focus on our campaign and, like, what our next steps are going to be and stuff. And um, we also, like, just we just talk about um, our experiences as women of color. And, like, we talk about... We have this thing at the end of every meeting. It's called Speak Her Mind or something like that. Speak Your Mind. And we just, um, there's like a topic, and then we just talk about it with each other and see each other's thoughts on it. And that's what a meeting involves for us. And sometimes we have just like fun meetings where we'll just get together and like do an art project or um, 
we always have food at our meetings, so it's always kind of a, a kickback time to just chill and have some good food and talk. So we have a lot of fun as part of all the work we do, too. Yeah. So are the groups open to the public? Yeah. Um, our groups are open to any young women who are self-identified women of color. Um, there's no fees or anything like that. It's completely free organization. And we're always looking for new members. So we welcome anybody to just come and check it out. And um, like you don't have to attend every meeting or go to every event. You know, um, a lot of our membership just comes whenever they have, you know, time and stuff. So even if you just come by and hang out um, at our office, it's, you know, that's still part of the group. So cool. So where's Young Women United located? We're on 120 Morningside. Um, it's like between Copper and Central, a little bit east of Knob Hill. It's like a white building. It looks kind of like a house. It's a really cool space. We have a backyard and we have a kitchen and we have um, some computers there that, you know, our members can go in and, you know, check their email and stuff like that. So we have a garage space, too, that we have a mural in and um, we pretty much can use that space for anything we want. So we have a lot of big plans for it. It's kind of a new place for us. So. We're um, just still getting moved in and getting it all decked out the way we want it to look. So, But it's a really cool space, so if anybody wants to come check it out, it's over there on Morningside. Fun. So I understand Young, Young Women United is organizing an event called Sister Fire. And Avika, can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, Sister Fire is just an event for like um, Anyone who wants to come and showcase their talent or any woman of color who wants to come and showcase their talent or anybody who just wants to come and hang out and chill and, like, see some local talent, um, there's going to be, like, a silent auction and there's all kinds of cool stuff to do. It's not like you don't have to, like, sit down and watch a performance or you could just walk around. It's, like, it's just, like, a kind of like a party except for, you know, there's no, like, super loud music or anything, but it's still cool. It's fun. And everybody's welcome to attend. And all the performers are um, women of color. But, of course, the audience is mixed, you know, men and women, kids. Everybody's welcome. Um, we're just asking for a donation at the door so nobody will be turned away if they don't, ha you know, if you don't have a lot of money to spend. So everyone's welcome just to come and enjoy that night. Yeah, and we have a daycare, too, like this year. So if you want to just drop your kids off and then just watch whatever, it's cool. It's fun. Be fun. So, Moni, can you tell me, um, do you know who's going to be performing? Or yeah, that? we have um, a lot of local talent. Um, actually, Yolanda Ramirez, who I think was one of the um, artists you just played earlier on the show, she sings mariachi. She's going to be performing. Um, we have the Santa Fe Women's Collective Slam Team, um, the Poetry Slam Team. They're going to be there. Um, we have a local uh, singer, Sina Sol. She sings R&B and like hip-hop soul. She's really, really good. She was at our event last year, and everybody really, really liked her performance, so she'll be back. And a lot of um, our members have some, you know, dance talent or poetry, so we have a lot of our, our membership are going to be performing also. Cool. So, Avika, um, how did Young Women United come up with the idea for Sister Fire? Well, we didn't. Um, well, um, there's this national group for young women of color too and it's called insight and um they were doing like a tour around the country and it was also called sister fire 
so we just stole the name kind of and um what we did was <laughs> well yeah we did and um we we took um they came down to albuquerque because they were doing sister fires everywhere around the country and they were doing one in albuquerque and they connected with us and so we did a sister fire down here and we really liked putting it on we we earned a lot of money and a lot of recognition and it was fun just doing it and so we wanted to do it again and this is our third year doing it so and and just to add to that um like Avika said insight was holding these sister fires all over the country and actually new mexico here in albuquerque we're the only ones who are still continuing it so it's really big deal and um insight and all the other organizations that were involved with the first one are really excited that we're still continuing to hold it yeah it's the only like women of color thing like anywhere right like it's especially in Albuquerque or New Mexico, like it's for women of color, but anybody can come, you know, but it's just for us to like showcase our talent and just show what we have and stuff. Um, so why is Sister Fire important to you guys and the community? Both of you answer that. Um, well, I think it's important just because it's a venue for young women to express themselves artistically um, to show the community that there's a lot of great local talent out there. And I think it's just really important to have a space that um, is just open just for women to kind of express themselves and talk about the issues that they want to talk about. Because even though it is a performance and it's a fun event, we always try to incorporate some kind of awareness, you know, talk about some kind of issue that affects women. Like this year we're talking about body image in the media and we're talking about um, comprehensive sex ed and also, like, drugs and alcohol. So so I think it's important to have um, an event like that for the community to kind of be aware of what's going on with young women here. Definitely. Vika? Yeah, um, I think it's important because, you know, if you're, like, a poet or um, something and you you want to express yourself, it's a really good venue just to like to be able to meet up with other people who are like you and who do the same stuff as you and um, just connect with other people and who are like-minded. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why I think it's important. It's great. So where and when is Sister Fire? Um, Sister Fire is going to be Saturday, October 21st. That's this Saturday. It starts at 7 It'll probably end around 10 p.m. And it's at the City on a Hill, which is formerly known as the Lobo Theater um, in the Knob Hill area. And if you need any more information, you can always call our office at 831-8930 if you need some more information on the event. And like I said, um, we're just asking for a donation at the door, so um, nobody will be turned away. So is there anything else you guys want to add? I just want to make sure and tell everybody to come out, um, enjoy the event. It's a great opportunity to catch some local talent uh, pretty much for a really cheap price. And also, as Avikra said earlier, we have a silent auction. We have a lot of cool items to bid on, and that's always kind of fun to to um, see if you win something. So we just want to make sure and invite everybody and tell everybody um, to come join us. And even if you can't make it to Sister Fire, if you're just interested in Young Women United at all, um, please give us a call or come visit us at our office. Okay, thank you guys so much, and I definitely will be at Sister Fire, so I look forward to seeing you guys again.
Cool. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And now back to Michael. Slash Lemony Circuit. That was an interview with Young Women United members about their upcoming event, Sistifier, which, my friends, does not involve burning anyone. To learn about Young Women United, please visit their website at www.myspace.com slash youngwomenunited. Sistifier will be held at the Lobo Theatre on October 21st at 7. And now, Paula is here to give your life some beautiful background music. Thank you, Mr. Lemony Snicket. Up next is a song called Tu, Yo y la Luna by El Chapo de Sinaloa from his album Tu, Yo y la Luna. Quisiera volver a abrir los labios de tu noche Para volver a dormir bajo el sabor de tu entrega that was El Chapo Sinaloa with Tu Yo y la Luna from his album Tu Yo y la Luna. Now I give you Kyle, the amazing calendar host. Da, 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 da. And welcome to the Youth Radio calendar for the week of October 15th, 2006. I'm your calendar host this week, Kyle Ferris. The New Mexico Justice Summit will take place in Albuquerque, Friday, November 3rd. The Justice Summit is an opportunity to participate in discussions regarding themes of justice in media and community. This event is sponsored by the Funding Exchange. To find out more, you can email almarosasb at gmail.com. The Women's Opportunity Awards is a program that provides money for women who are struggling to keep up in an ever more difficult world. To be eligible, you must be a woman with primary financial responsibility for your family, have attended an undergraduate program, have financial need, and be motivated to achieve educational goals. To get an application for this award, you can contact Kathy Brown at 222-6600. Otara Mesa is in danger. A legal battle recently ended with a judge ruling in favor of the Bureau of Land Management, allowing them to begin drilling for oil in the Otara Mesa area. Otara Mesa is one of the most biologically rich areas in the world, and the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance has been working against this new development. On October 25th, they will be holding a protest in front of Senator Jeff Bingaman's office at 625 Silver Avenue Northwest in Albuquerque. To find out more about either the New Mexico Wilderness Alliance or the upcoming protest, you can call 843-8696. Young Women United will be holding Sister Fire on October 25th from 7 to 10 p.m. in the Lobo Theater. This event is a showcase of women of color that are perform in the performing arts. Young Women United is an organization that addresses issues relating to young women of color in today's society. To find out more about this event, you can contact 831-8930. On a media-friendly end of things, let's take a look at some of the movies in theaters currently. Jet Li's last martial arts epic, Fearless, is now playing, with Jet Li taking the part of Hyo Yang-ji, a martial artist from the early 1900s. Also playing are Martin Scorsese's new movie, The Departed, and a new film with Sean Penn, All the King's Men, which was received with less than enthusiastic reviews. Luckily, we also have the Guild Cinema to give us some less known but just as good films. Currently playing is 49 Up, the continuing story of a group of people from Britain whose lives have been documented by a British filmmaker for the past 42 years. To see the Guild's upcoming movies, you can go to www.guildcinema.com. 
Up and Coming at the Albuquerque Little Theater is a Christmas story, a stage, a stage adaptation of the 1983 movie, and soon to come to Pope Joy Hall, The Phantom of the Opera, the longest-running show on Broadway. Phantom of the Opera will be, begin playing October 25th and run through November 18th. Outchianda is a performance space located in the Barreles neighborhood, is having its seasonal fundraiser on Friday, October 20th. Special guests include Baye, Folklorico, Zach Freeman, and DJ Black Truth. Outchianda is at 929 4th Street Southwest in Albuquerque. To find out more about this event, you can call 385-5834. That wraps it up for your Youth Radio Weekly Calendar. Remember, we do really enjoy it when you tell us about events going on within the our, the range of our radio waves. If you have an event that you would like to air on our show, send them to youthradio at kunm.org. Now back to the hosts. Unfortunately, Youth Radio has come to an end, and now there is nowhere to hide. But before you scream and run away, please note the following people who made this temporary distraction possible. Our premier producer on this troubled twilight was Jaron Kai. Our expert engineer was the properly primed Philip Riley. The chronological calendar was done by the delightfully dismal Kyle Ferris. The melodious music was, prefer- was perfectly picked by Paula Castillo. Lucia Martinez conveniently conducted the Sistify interview with Young Women United members Moni Trujillo and Avikra Lucky, the latter of whom is also a member of Youth Radio. Michael Harley lightly led the Otero Mesa interview with Neolia Hine. Special salutations to Lily Townsend of Blunt Radio for letting us use her piece, Liz's Story. I'm your host, Lucia Martinez. And I'm your additional host, Lemony Snicket, standing in for Michael Harley, who is probably stranded somewhere in the Sandia Mountains by now. Other members of Youth Radio who are curiously missing in action are Diana Baranoir and Mars Chalon. Please call if you have any information. We are very concerned. The adults of Youth Radio, who happen to listen better than any adults the Baudelaire's encountered, are Steve Emmons, Roman Garcia, Elizabeth Dwyer, Roberta Rael, and Marcos Martinez. Congratulations for surviving Youth Radio on 89.9 KUNM. Don't you wish you spent the last 60 minutes frolicking on a pony? I don't. We've been told that spoken word is up next, but I'd be cautious about that if I were you. <laughs> 